0: Of Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course the music. I hope you're all continuing to stay safe and healthy. I'm kind of amazed by how busy I've stayed during a time where things can feel like they're in a standstill. Maybe it's because I don't leave the house at all, basically, at this point, but it's okay. It's okay. We're staying safe, we're staying healthy, we're staying uh, mentally solid, you know. Um, Between keeping up with the podcast and my day job as a UX designer, there's never a shortage of things to do, but I'm glad I can at least put my energy into things that I love, and that's something that I hope all of you are able to do right now. Um, It's not easy, but it's okay, and I may give myself a break here in the next couple weeks just because, you know, grinding is a lot of work. (laughs) That's okay. We're going to keep doing it. We're going to do great, and uh, you know what? Everybody is amazing for staying this strong for this long, and I hope that all of you continue to, because uh, this is uh, this is important. Having community in this time is so important, and I love it. So, speaking of things I love, let's move into this week's community announcements. Uh, so, first up, there's a brand new compilation by... I Have a Mouth and I Must Scream through Moki Records. This comp is a gathering of different artists and independent music that takes anger toward our current state of the world, particularly with police brutality, um, systemic disadvantages that are causing uh, already marginalized communities to struggle right now through the pandemic, through everything that's going on. And it really elevates the voices and experiences of LGBTQA and Black Communities. The goal is to showcase new music while raising money for the All Black Lives Fund, who supports grassroots organizing to build visibility and power, promote safety, and amplify the demands of those most impacted by both anti-Black racism and gender discrimination. Some awesome artists on the comp include Guilt, Witchbender, Gutless, Jillian Carter, Joy Eater, and so many incredible bands that I love that are near and dear to me in Florida and all over for gathering for this really meaningful comp. Be sure to grab yours and support. This is an amazing cause. He's a really gifted artist. You really can't go wrong here. It's a win-win. And what a great way to expose ourselves to new music in this time, right? Um, So, in other news, in case you missed it, To The Front is putting out their first zine for Black Lives Matter. In case you aren't familiar, To The Front is a collective of non-men and people of color artists that typically travels to major cities to highlight photographers, designers, and more creatives involved in independent music. Uh, Erica and Courtney were on the podcast a while back, and they were phenomenal and I love to continue to support everything that they're doing because our message lines up so well with um, those that I have and those that our independent music community has. Um, but anyway, for this book, To the Front gathered the works of artists as well as essays and poetry that really speak to their mission. The first round of pre-orders like sold out in, I think, two to three days, which is amazing. But more should be launching and be available on little dipper art so be sure to grab it this is going to be something really special for you to able to comb through so uh thank you to to the front for putting this all together this is really exciting and i hope you all just continue to crush it and then lastly just a general shout out to a lot of new music that's been dropping uh, Barty Strange released his new single Mustang which is a freaking gorgeous uh, sonic trip that you need to take ASAP I listened to it probably back to back non-stop for like a solid hour just Mustang on repeat it's a really great song it's really meaningful so please be sure to stream Mustang and share it with everybody because it's such a great song and then of course Some of my best friends in the world, Expert Timing, are releasing their new EP, Whichever Whatever, this Friday on Count Your Lucky Stars Records. So many great songs, so much that will make you think, make you feel good, all of that that Expert Timing just has down to a freaking science. So be sure to save these tracks wherever you get music. Even though our summer isn't what we thought it would be, this music just makes it that much easier to find joy and energy. So highly recommend. Please support these artists. Okay. And speaking of joy, we've got to talk about this week's guest. I can't say enough positive things about Brian Walker, the genius behind A Day Without Love. Um, Honestly... (laughs) Brian is constantly creating new music and content for his project, and the wide variety of sound he creates is just breathtaking. He's released an EP titled Comfort in the Bedroom that explores important messages of the moment and does it in a way that just sonically sticks with you for days. Case in point, I've had riffs from his song I Can Tell That You Are Finding Happiness in my head for weeks, and it's just so freaking perfect. Uh, Brian and I spoke about his music, his influences, the meaning of A Day Without Love, uh, how he's living in the pandemic, his goals as a musician and a creator, and so much more. So with that, let's listen to more of A Day Without Love
1: and then get into the interview with Brian. <laughs>
0: Music of the indie rock persuasion. How are you doing?
2: Doing well, doing very well, relatively, but doing well.
0: (laughs) I think we can all say that with everything going on with like this pandemic and the world basically being on fire right now.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, all aspects of my life are not normal. Yeah. But I'm trying to stay centered and just reach into myself and also think about what I can do actively to help. So.
0: I love that so much. You know, we talked about it kind of briefly before we hit record here and stuff, but like uh, how are, how, what are you kind of doing to keep yourself level through all this, feeling okay?
2: Um. So it's been a lot to handle. Uh, so I think before I enter the positivity, I'll just give a frame of reference of where I'm at. Sure. So um, my uncle died a week ago to COVID oh, wow. um, and then weeks before that, I had an aunt that died of cancer. And then, uh, three weeks after my aunt died, my cousin died of AIDS. So it was like a lot of loss. I'm so sorry
0: for your losses. That's, that's a lot at once.
2: Yeah, it, it was a lot. And I mean, a lot of what I've had to struggle with in life is death in general. Um, and that's whether it be due to societal issues, like I had a cousin who died from a bad drug deal, Mm -hmm. Uh, not to say that drugs are good or bad but like it it was a bad drug deal Mm -hmm. um and i I, like and it's just like one thing after the other Mm -hmm. even when i don't want to have it like i haven't had a a funeral less year since i was about seven wow Uh, and i'm 31 now so dealing with grief and dealing with like loss has been just a part of me Mm
1: -hmm.
2: so you know Mm -hmm. there's that um taking my job, like, my day job, like, outside of music from, you know, semi-remote to fully remote has been mm-hmm. a transition with stress, and then also, like, seeing other family, my friend friends, like, lose others to, like, mm-hmm. the pandemic, so it's just, like, it's been a lot dealing with all of that, but mm-hmm. uh, I think what's been helping me cope is music, um, because I had an album that I was going to record with my producer Kitsy, and we had to put it on pause so Kitsy and I we did like a podcast interview and like we've done check-ins with each other via zoom mm-hmm. so zoom's been a coping mechanism because I'm extremely extroverted um, and then also I've been doing a lot of prayer and meditation and just like learning because like I understand that music has been like a bread and butter and also a part of my overall salary and means of living mm-hmm. um but I also have to look at it like I'm not the greatest musician um I'm I'm by no means know at all so might as well learn so like mm-hmm. this is the first positive thing I've tried to do to cope with this is like see what you can learn
1: mm-hmm.
2: so like I got a banjo and I'm learning banjo um and that was during quarantine I had gotten a ukulele like three months prior to quarantine so I'm learning ukulele Um, my vocal uh, instructor slash coach Renee um, they've been like really coaching me to become a better singer Uh, I have a piano so it's just like I've been developing myself so that's the first thing Um, second thing is like I had a goal to lose like weight and also transform my body Mm -hmm. so I thought to myself well since the gyms closed let me try to dive deeper into yoga because, I mean, we talked about this before the podcast, like I got into yoga because I wanted to make it a supplement to tour workouts and self-care. But when my friend Nadine was like, you know, I'm a yogi and I've noticed um, yoga changes people's lives and, and, you know, place of center. Like I did this yoga with Cassandra 70, like 30 days. And Mm -hmm. like those affirmations really got me Mm -hmm. like, helped me stay centered so it was yoga too so i mean really just sticking to a routine although it'd be very busy um it's the routine that helps me look forward to something and calms my anxiety as opposed to recognizing you know the uh, large amount of loss that i've had um, recognizing the loss my friends have had uh, recognizing the sudden awareness of black lives matter um, Which I sometimes, like, I I love that it's happening, but it's like, wow, finally. Like, you you just noticed, like.
0: Right. We've (laughs) been here this whole fucking time. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I know that's definitely got to be a feeling because some people have been extremely aware of this their entire existence. Some people have been aware of it since they had their first experiences that are like it and it's like what the fuck what took you so long
2: exactly (laughs) that's
0: where I'm at with a lot of people right now too honestly I'm just like yeah really I mean yes but yeah that that's totally a real feeling well I'm so glad that you're finding ways to take care of yourself and um you know I think sometimes things like yoga and education stuff can be very healing um it is especially if you'll be ready for how you talked about being able to do yoga on tour and everything. There's actually a type of yoga that was developed kind of on a tour. Um, it's what called, have you ever heard of rocket yoga?
2: No, I only know vinyasa.
0: Okay. It's got vinyasa in it, but basically what you end up doing, it was actually invented by this instructor who ended up bringing it on tour with like, I think the grateful dead or something. And one of the members named it rocket yoga, but it's like really fast paced and you do a lot of like, it's very strength building too. I've actually like toned a lot doing this and it's wild, but I'll have to like send you some info later cause it's really fun and it helps release, like release a lot. And it's, it's so good for you and it's like quick pace the way that you can kind of manage within like a tour space. I'm sure.
2: That that I need that. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's been my coping big time too. Through all of this It's definitely been a lot, a lot of yoga. My studio does like online, um, classes through like zoom and stuff. So mm-hmm. I just like tune in cause I miss my instructor's voice mostly. Uh, yeah, but it's like, yeah, you, you just do your thing and you can kind of feel yourself feel a lot less stress and sometimes even a little re-energized too, you know? True.
2: Yeah. Cause pre quarantine, I had only taken three or four yoga classes
1: mm-hmm. at
2: this place called the yoga factory in Philly.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: and like, you know, with four classes and doing them every other week, Mm-hmm. you're just like wow downward dogs are really painful yeah um, <laughs> you know because i'm not doing this consistently right and then i was like what am i going to do so i reached out to like my friend circles of people that i knew that did yoga for support like you know i avoided the online yoga because i thought that was already advanced and then yeah i i think i'm definitely in it i mean i'm still a white belt don't get me wrong <laughs> me I to too
0: ultimately
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> I used to do martial arts. That's why I say that, but uh, it definitely has been been good for me. So, yeah
0: well, I'm so glad to hear that. So you're based in the Philly area then?
2: Yeah, I was born and raised in Philly. Uh, mm-hmm. currently, I live in Glenside, which is right across the street from Mount Airy, Chestnut Hill, which is still Philly. so mm-hmm. yeah.
0: yep. that that's so awesome. Tell me about when you first began to play music.
2: Um, so I picked up guitar when I was eighteen
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I didn't start playing like open mics and stuff till I was 19, 20. Okay. And I didn't start A Day Without Love properly until I was 24. So I started playing music per se, you know, 18, 19, going to open mics, finding friends, learning anything from Bob Dylan to Pink Floyd, all that stuff. And I didn't think much of it. And I wrote poetry. So like writing songs, like the idea songs, mm-hmm. Started when I was 11, but I didn't think about putting prose to melody, harmony, rhythm Mm
1: -hmm.
2: till I was like 21, 22, 23, 24. I didn't start taking it seriously on a concept till I was 24, 25. So during those, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, the formative years or figuring myself out years, there was a lot of failure up and down from Mm -hmm. writing comedy songs because I was too afraid to be myself Mm -hmm. um, to a lot of drunken writing sessions by myself in apartments and things like that. Yeah. Um, so I did that. And I had the concept of a day without love from a poetry book that I wrote. And that poem was called A Day Without Love. And I said, someday i want to write about this poem and make songs about it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that poem came from seeing like a traumatic um, spousal abuse incident and stopping mm-hmm. that. So I wrote about stopping spousal abuse in, on college at, at college. And that's where the concept came from, but it wasn't until I was homeless that I decided to say, you know what, I'm going to play music in front of people. I'm going to get out of this and I don't care how long it takes me, but I want to inspire people. So
0: that's so incredible that that kind of became, it seems like a driver for you to like, you know, this is what I want to do with myself and I'm going to find a way to make it work to, to kind of sustain me too. Yep.
2: Yep. So, and that started in Long Island, New York, because I was living in, in an apartment in Long Island. and I was homeless because of Hurricane Sandy, because my apartment wasn't livable. Wow. So Yeah. If that hurricane never happened, I don't know if it would have pushed me into, say, like, recording artist, because mm-hmm. 2013 to 15. So, yeah, like, I definitely recorded a record in 2010-11 as A Day Without Love, but it wasn't real. And the reason why I say it wasn't real is because I didn't play play it, like, live. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really doing it for a friend's senior college project.
1: <laughs>
2: oh. so I was just like, oh, yeah, we'll just call it Day Without Love. Um, and then we put it on Bandcamp and then like it left Bandcamp like six months later. So that's mm. that's the reason why I, I say a Day Without Love started in 2013, not 2010, 2011. Yeah. Because between 2010 to 2013, I was in grad school. I was working. I joined a pop band. <laughs> like I wasn't doing what I do now. Yeah. Um, And then 2013 to 2015, I was playing the local Philly circuit and I used my connections from, like, friends that I knew, things Mm -hmm. like that, and then it became touring.
0: I love that. Well, as you were kind of starting to really take A Day Without Love seriously and start really kind of um, putting that together for real, were there any, like, artists or musicians you were listening to that really helped influence you or motivate you even with your songwriting?
2: Um, Yes uh and the reason why i hesitate because i feel like it was a mixture of people in music as well as actual musicians so like oh, okay. locally locally it was anthony green like it was anthony green circus of that was like my like i was like i want to be like anthony green or uh there was koji you know koji mm-hmm. says aloha like yeah. throwback um because like when i was in college uh, Koji would come to Penn State as well as Lehigh because I went from Lehigh to Penn State mm-hmm. and, and Koji would, would tour and you know and I, I opened up for Koji and things like that. Um, so I like I developed an idea of like what DIY touring could be like.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
2: I had this club called the Sunrise Club from 2009 and I think the club still exists. I don't know. It's definitely over 10 years old.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: but we, we threw house shows. So I had a concept of DIY before I did it. Yeah. I never thought I could do it. Does that make sense?
0: It does. Cause I think yeah. sometimes you have to kind of um, see where you can fit in within a space and also see what you can, what you feel like you can contribute because it's a confidence thing as much as it is like a um, belonging thing all at once, you know?
2: And, yeah. So it, that and that's exactly how it felt. So it was like it was a combination of those two things. And I, and I met a lot of people that you know are still doing music now. Mm-hmm. Like I met, I got to open up for Icarus the Owl and Joey of Icarus the Owl. Like is the backup guitarist for Dance Gavin Dance. Like stuff mm-hmm. like that. But it was always because someone knew someone who knew someone and and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, and I made those connections but i think it was really my uncle who's a hip-hop producer uh, in georgia that influenced me to play the long game instead of just doing it for cloud or doing it short
1: Mm -hmm. because
2: he's like 52 49 or something like that and he has just like a long list of credits and i mean granted i don't want to be like him
1: Mm -hmm. but
2: what i've learned is like he had persistence to really dive in and learn as much as he could so i think that's what like it was like a figurehead that got me there.
1: Yeah. But
2: locally in Philly, there was just like so many people that I met and I just try to learn a little bit from them day by day. And things
0: yeah. I mean, there's a big community for that for sure in Philly. So plenty of opportunity to meet people and kind of see, you know, how you can influence each other ultimately.
2: Yep. Yep.
0: That's so cool. Um. So, you know, as I explored your music, I realized very quickly, I would not know how to quite describe your sound because you do so many unique and beautiful things with it. So I'm kind of curious, how do you describe your sound?
2: Um, I will call it like um, genre-flexible. I and, love that. And the reason why I say genre-flexible is I... When I started, I was just like, I'm going to be like dashboard confessional, you know? And like, and that's another person that, what I mean to go back to your previous question, like mm-hmm. I got to meet Chris Carraba did shots with him years ago at the North Star Bar. And like, I just wow. decided to play journalist and ask him like, how do you become a musician? So it's like, I, I met a lot of my heroes early or I got to meet Casey Crescenzo uh-huh. when he was writing the color spectrum in college. And I like asked him questions. So that's why it's hard to like hone it to one person that I would say like, Community help me,
0: you know, right? That makes complete sense because it's like as you meet people, and especially sometimes whenever you meet people who you like really respected and enjoyed their music for a long time, um, they have the either the moments that influence you, or sometimes it's like uh, the music itself. It's it's so nice how the community can really just like give that little influence and stuff to you, you know?
2: Yep, I, I completely agree. I think a lot of it had to do with my mental health insecurity and being a black musician, to be honest with you. Uh Because when I was starting as a musician, I got a lot of pressure from family members, from friends uh, that are no longer friends saying like, you're black and you play guitar, how? You can only play blues, you can only Mm. play blues. And if it's not blues, you only could play jazz. So I almost believed them because I was insecure at the time. Mm -hmm. And I got really good at blues. I got really good at jazz. Um, I don't even want to say really good because that's a whole other topic. (laughs) 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 But I like had this whole stereotype threat, but I didn't want to confirm the bias. Mm. If that makes any sense. Yeah. So I was on this journey of discovery. And I think the first half of A Day Without Love, like, pre-solace is like self-loathing central like I am sad and if you don't believe I'm sad I'm just gonna write another song to believe to make you believe that I'm sad
1: Mm -hmm.
2: but because I gave up alcohol because I decided to because I almost died you know being 315 pounds and I decided to make a change with that because I lost my grandfather I couldn't take it anymore Mm -hmm. like I just couldn't So I tried to write more about motivation because A Day Without Love was still about hope, but I just didn't have the hope. You, You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And with that also came a rebirth of figuring out, you're not just one thing and no musician needs to be just one thing. And even as a black musician, I can't label myself as just one thing. And I have to realize like the different people that influenced me, the different people that supported me, um, it's not just one scene because mm-hmm. like some people want to say, oh, A Day Without Love, the DIY musician. Some people want to say A Day Without Love, the folk punk musician. Some people want to say A Day Without Love, like the hip hop guitarist musician. I'm just like, why can't I just be A Day Without Love? And that's why I do the genre flexible thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not doing it for the sake of like saying, ha look at all the things I could do. <laughs> it's more of like, these are a lot of things I want to say uh-huh. and I want to show it that way
0: right and you have so many different ways you can say it because like i feel like particularly with like your latest record and stuff you allow yourself moments where if you want to have like you know some of those like hip-hop influenced beats for a song you'll do it if Mm -hmm. you want to play you can play like a folk ish sound you can you totally do it and you bounce from so many different sounds some stuff is a little bit drawn i feel like probably for your love for like indie rock and emo some of it draws more into like you know, just so many different spaces. And I feel like it's more so it's like you're using your voice and you're letting it um, be on your terms and in the tone and in the style that means something to you. And as a result, it means something to us as listeners.
2: Uh, yeah. That that was, well, you nailed the goal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I got it. <laughs> um, like when I wrote comfort in the bedroom, that was my second quarantine project. Oh, okay. Um, and I thought that one was better than the other one because the other one I did was just a straight hip-hop thing And I wanted Mm -hmm. to ask myself Can I rap in a week like rappers do and? The answer was no (laughs) I can rap but not in a week.
1: So I'll
2: come back to rap later Uh Uh-huh, um, but specifically for comfort in the bedroom. It was definitely my attempt at one, redefining stuff that I already created, because a lot of those riffs are from old songs.
1: Oh, okay. And then
2: two, rearranging them with other music parts via MIDI and instrumentation. Mm-hmm. And three, it was a coping mechanism to like being hopeful but also frustrated with current events.
0: That makes complete sense. And I feel like that ties into so much of what you've told me about like a day without love and what it means to you, like <laughs> what that project means to you and stuff like, what, like you've mentioned to me previously about how, like for you, that project is kind of about like rising above adversity and stuff and that kind of, and, and it can be so many different types of adversity too. So um, that's, is that also kind of the same messaging you're trying to really push through on comfort in the bedroom too?
2: 100%. Like I called it comfort in the bedroom because I thought, what about single people or people that are like not in exactly, um, harmonious living situations because sure. like I can't say that like I'm in a harmonious si- living situation because I'm not in the best I'm not in the worst situation like I live with my grandma because like my grandfather died mm-hmm. so I owed it to my grandfather to like take care of her and like mm-hmm. now that's kind of like wrapping up but it's like I'm 31 living in a place I don't really want to live in
1: mm-hmm. so
2: I need to find comfort within myself because the alternative could be worse or it could be better Mm -hmm. So that's like where I was coming from when I wrote this. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: No, and that's what Reminders is really about. It's just saying that like, you know, just because I haven't fit in all the check boxes of what it means to be 31, Mm
1: -hmm. doesn't
2: mean that my life is over. Right. Um, Like in the DIY world, a lot of people give up music at 26, start, (laughs) join a startup firm and then take pictures and have a dog. But
0: that's, <laughs> that's uh, so true. <laughs> you know, it's not
2: that's not me. <laughs> it's just not.
0: <laughs> no, nope. I think uh, I think we've both completely abandoned that as a path already, which is fantastic.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I'm not shaming that. It's no. just uh, It's uh, not you. It's, it's not me. No, it's not me. And and that's part of why I wrote that song. Now, the first intro song was really about me saying Black Lives Matter without saying Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I did that was because uh, two years ago, I wrote a record called Diary. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a song called You Said, yes. which is about police brutality and also uh, posturing. Because I had this friend who is a musician who we had a lot of long conversations about intersectionality. About supporting each other, no matter what. About what it means to be an activist,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: then I feel like in adult friendships, uh, whether people tonic or or romantic, things get a little bit more intimate when you meet their high school or their old friends.
0: Mm, it's true.
2: Yeah, um, and, and that no matter what, it's just like, all right, I consider you a real friend because now you're you're meeting my past, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I met the person's, um, you know, old high school friends, and they were all like. Oh, you're the black friend. And that was like the beginning of the end of a friendship.
0: Wow. Uh, Who the fuck says that? (laughs) These assholes, clearly. But still, I'm (laughs) like, are you fucking kidding?
2: (laughs) So I wrote that song and there's a line in that song where I say, uh, you say black lives matter, but I don't even matter. Because like, I can't help but to think in the same way that during many women's rights movements, there have been people that have said like, you know, me too or my body my choice Mm -hmm. but behind closed doors they're you know posturing and doing very abusive or very hostile things towards women whether it be in the workplace or the home etc etc the same thing's happening you know by race um Mm -hmm. and that's why i wrote that song but when i wrote you know i'm tired of losing my brothers and sisters it was like i'm tired of losing my family members because at the time I wrote the song, I lost a aunt and, and, and a cousin. And I'm also tired of seeing the headlines, another black person, another black person
1: mm-hmm.
2: dead. And it's just like, I've definitely had guns pointed to my face. I've definitely been harassed and, you know, abused by police officers. Uh, and it's not even just police. I've, I've had violence happen to me because I'm black. Yeah. So um, I'm definitely blessed and thankful to be alive and have another day but at the same time, I'm tired, <laughs> you know?
0: Well, it hurts yeah. because I think, yeah. um, and I can't speak from the same experience, um, but I think there's always this question of like, this fear of like, will it be me, you know? Or yeah. it could, could 100%. it be you know? Yeah. And when you see, you know, the faces of people who have an experience that so quickly could be your own, it can be mm-hmm. very terrifying. Um, you know, I'm... I can only speak to my experiences as, like, a Mexican-American, but whenever I see the videos of kids in camps with ice and shit, you know, I see my family, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, I know it's nowhere near the same as your experience, but, like, you know, you can you can empathize with that experience and you know that fear is that's why the best way I describe it.
2: No, I completely empathize with what you're saying because it's like – it's it's a survivor's guilt like yeah i listen to, yeah, I, I listen to kendrick lamar's survivor's guilt a lot mm-hmm. i listen to a lot of ted talks as well as um Ebra in the morning and sometimes the breakfast club about like black entrepreneurs and other non-non-white entrepreneurs who have risen above but also like witnessed that loss because exactly you know, your cousin, your aunt, your uncle, your brother, your sister, or even a friend could literally be in a place where someone like you gets marginalized. Like, I just finished this book called I Am Malala for Book Club.
0: Yeah, how was that one? I've been wanting to read it.
2: it it's short, but it's yeah. a tearjerker because it it reminds you of the very same concept we're talking about because mm-hmm. she gets shot and ends up in England and she's not thinking about her own survival. She's thinking about all the other girls and how are they able to get their education as mm-hmm. the Taliban harassing them and things like that. And I think that's what uh, the empathy of an activist looks like. Yeah. To think for yourself, but you're also thinking about the welfare and well-being of others.
0: That's that's so, so true. You know, I don't always think and parse through that way because I think it's like what you, what you're kind of describing here. It's like, um, that survivor's guilt sometimes that you can feel. And, um, you know, that's that's so powerful. Thank you for sharing that with me, oh, honestly. No
2: problem, the no problem. But yeah, that's why I wrote that first song, because
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, I'm tired of losing people that look like me. I'm tired of losing people that feel similar struggles or not the same struggles, because I think we really need to invest in things like books over bullets or just music yes. over machines, because... Um, Side note, if there's anything I think independent music can do is use your art, use your platform to help Mm -hmm. beyond just uh, download my music and I'm donating to this thing. Like, like write about it. Right. Um, I don't want to be the only person writing about social issues. And I know I'm not the only person, but, like, I want to see it more, more. So...
0: Right. Yeah. You want to see others do it because I feel like the more that people start talking and creating around um, experiences, I think it kind of also forces the people who don't understand those experiences to reckon with them.
2: 100%.
0: That's like then the most crucial part for me is like, you know, if anything, it's at least you're that much closer to forcing that person who either chooses to be ignorant because ignorance is a choice or um you know if they're in that position to where they're just like somehow it fucking keeps missing them yep. <laughs> it's like well guess what you're that much closer to having to reckon with this shit
2: yeah 100 And i mean uh e- like your podcast like the definition itself in my opinion um i think that needs to happen more uh and, and what i mean by that is not not on the representation piece because that's self-explanatory.
1: Sure.
2: But on the topic piece because uh, I say this a lot on my own podcast. I also say this a lot, like on stage. It's like I think the idea of music being PBRs and pizza needs to die.
0: Please, I've been trying to kill um, it for like four years.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, and I'm not saying that PBRs and pizza are are, are like it's not fun because it is. Mm-hmm. but if you're going to do that listen to top 40 music and like don't include personalized experiences to it i right. get like for that but right. <laughs> um
0: that's fine
2: I, yeah but i think when it comes to a community uh as opposed to an industry it should really be about being transformative bringing people together yeah supporting each other and bringing each other up and and pbr and pizza don't really align there. Plus, I'm a sober person and I'm lactose intolerant.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It does not work for you at all here. It doesn't work
2: for me at all. (laughs) That's beautiful.
0: But, like, yeah, yeah, I I think you're totally right, though. It should center more on community. And, like, for me, I feel like that's the biggest um, blessing within – certain parts of the independent music community is like it. Some people can really emphasize the whole like community aspect of it. And that's where I think it's at its most beautiful. And I feel like the whole like PBR and pizza concept, I'm stealing that. I love it. (laughs) I think that just, I I fucking love it. I feel like it enables a cycle of um, sometimes toxic behavior because it enables bad habits and, and unfortunately I don't want to generalize, but that kind of circle also can enable toxic behaviors like that can, um, cause people do fucked up shit when they're drunk, you know, and things can get really dicey yeah. and you know, that's when I think sometimes we hear about things like abuse and assaults and like, you know, and unfortunately with that crowd, you also end up seeing that these are the same ones who are singing about how much their ex-girlfriend sucks. And, you know, there's this misogyny or because it's like this drinking bro culture. um, Let's be real. It's bro culture. um, It's very exclusionary toward like anybody who isn't a cis white
2: dude, too. Yep. And it's it's very. uh, It's limiting and it's privilege blind.
0: It is extremely so.
2: Yeah, because I I find it funny in Philly. uh, And I've definitely tweeted about this. And I mean funny as in awkward, not funny, ha-ha. Yeah. That a lot of the same people that are just like, support the protest, the side third, are the same people that if someone that looks like me that doesn't have a guitar tries to go to your house show, you're suddenly saying they're sketchy.
1: Ugh.
2: You know? And it's like, you're occupying our neighborhood because of daddy's plastic. And it, it, it's just like <laughs> layer and layer and layer, like the things you don't see on the internet. And I know this right. isn't unique to Philadelphia. Um, it's just like a lot of posturing, it and it's not okay.
0: Right, I couldn't agree more with you, honestly. Um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of privilege there, and there's a lot of like, you know, enabled willful ignorance that just continues to kind of just spiral within that space. And yep. um, I'm so grateful for the fact that um, the more community minded aspect of DIY. Um, it still thrives in spite of it, and it's some it sometimes, I mean, I know it's different everywhere, but sometimes it feels like it can start to eclipse all of the bullshit, you know.
2: And that's the hope because yeah. I mean, putting my business psychology hat on the more you're <laughs> aware of something, the more you're gonna act on it. Um, right. And, and that's why I want and that's why I love your podcast because <laughs> thank you. by by proxy you're making people more aware of social causes and issues and platforms, mm-hmm. so therefore more people wanna support it and then more people are gonna act on making an effort to change.
0: That's, that's the hope, that's been my hope from the start. So thank you for that. <laughs> no problem. Um, so I really appreciate how you, you talked a lot about the way that you approached your opening track here on comfort in the bedroom and stuff. Walk me through a bit of your songwriting process, maybe in particular with this record, because I know you mentioned this was kind of like one of your quarantine challenges, something you were kind of pushing yourself to do.
2: Oh, totally. So, um, I had three challenges in mind. Mm hmm. And I didn't think quarantine was going to last this long, (laughs) so I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to just keep doing new stuff. So the first challenge was to finish writing my uh, next studio album. So like, I have a pretty large catalog. I still say in my head, like I've only written two albums Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't have a title for this album, but I finished writing that. It's my first like truly happy record. And it's about connecting with yourself as well as others. Um, and, and DIY spaces and mm-hmm. the scores of the album are going to be put on a documentary that I did with this videographer named Brianna Spouse um, so like that that was the first project just finish writing the record
0: that's so um, cool
2: so I thought quarantine was going to be over in three weeks so I was like I'm going to finish writing this record I'm going to hit up Kitsy. I was like alright well we got drums for six songs let's do the drums for the other seven songs and yeah it's going to be like 13, 14 songs and I thought I was going to do it Mm -hmm. but of course quarantine has been much longer than three to four songs Mm so um my next project was get involved in music community and activism so i got involved with music uh musicians for bernie Mm -hmm. um that's a shirt i'm wearing right now
0: i love it Um,
2: and I, i partnered with uh miss christine who uh is a musician from iowa and you know we got to talking and we also partnered with henderson cole i don't know if you know what henderson is
0: Henderson is my buddy.
2: Okay, so you definitely know who Henderson is. Yeah. And we we partnered up with a bunch of other people across the U.S. and we got like Google Hangouts. and and Awesome. And then also got part of uh, Coding with Dystopia. So Coding with Dystopia is a bunch of like folk punk people who raise money for various causes from Mm -hmm. um, reproductive rights organizations, harm reduction. um, Most recently, I can't remember the charity, so sue me but we've done like 13 concerts it's, it's been a lot of work wow um, and we got people ranging from cry wank to ajj to mm-hmm. days and days we got we got a lot of people there so that was the, the second project third project was let's see if i could be a rapper um because i like have rap features but i never like did full rap songs uh-huh. so i did that and i i wrote this record called uh, corona was my first beer and i just was absolutely silly so if you want uh, anything that sounds remotely close to say Namdi or just goofy yeah that. <laughs> I love
0: it though that, like yeah. I love Namdi so I'm just like yeah. I'm in <laughs> yeah.
2: it was pure like artistic like I don't give a fuck because I didn't yes <laughs> so consider that the non a day without love a day without love record <laughs> and then the next thing was let me get better at piano and not just piano but just production mm-hmm. um, so I cleared out a bunch of my computer space you know rebooted it to be as best as i could be for recording and um that's how i wrote comfort in the bedroom so that was the goals so how i write songs um originally it was just like i'd be mad or sad or really emotional or really hungry and i just write <laughs> i
0: like up. the hungry is a listed emotion yeah. for that. No,
2: no, but actually you know um, <laughs> i have a song on this next album called caffeine which is about like dying for caffeine while on the road
0: <laughs> that's gonna be my new life theme song i hope you're aware i haven't even heard it but that's like that sounds like me i'm just gonna go ahead and put okay. that out
2: there <laughs> okay I'll, when it when it's done i'll send it to you like yes. before anyone <laughs> um so that's how it used to be yeah uh, shout out to renee mm-hmm. you know when they started teaching me vocal lessons and i took old theory it's now really about thinking about the voice in my head whether it's like today i'm a ukulele player today i'm a piano player so i start off with a melody um then i start off with like you know bass and then i just layer it all together um and then in terms of concepts it's really either stuff that i has been sitting on my heart that i haven't really experienced no that i have experienced um or things that i see in the news and that's the heart comes from so um as of now, I would still say A Day Without Love is still 95% things that I've seen. But mm-hmm. uh, in that record, it was really about trying to be positive um, during this. Like, um, but the titles were long mm-hmm. intentionally um, because I was trying to make a statement like, uh, Donald Trump and the pandemic pa- planners don't have any plans for you like that was really about just fake news and how um i i've learned this quote recently um that when you don't know facts your mind tends to like you know create narratives in your head yeah and um i feel that that's what's happening in the climate now because my, my fear about the black lives matter movement uh much like the past 10 years of civil rights acts movements is that we lose missions because of a lack of sticking to a fact Mm. or other people due to individualism, uh, which is a product of a capitalistic society, Mm -hmm. um, start fighting on their own agendas. And then we just have this like chaotic mess of what the fuck happened, you know? Um, so that's like my fear. So I wrote, that song, in retrospective, how Donald Trump is treating quarantine
1: mm-hmm.
2: and the mass appeal to the pandemic documentary, because I was like, I refuse to support this. Like like just like first of all, nothing about this being planned makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, like, no, just just
0: There's no. no way.. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a yeah. little wild. I mean, like, that's not
2: even evil. That that's just like, what? What did you gain?
0: Right. The only one I'm
2: gaining is Jeff Bezos.
0: At this rate, yeah, because everybody's ordering shit from Amazon and have it sent to their houses. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. God, that's that's a whole other fucking can of worms right there that I could <laughs> yeah, go like, off
2: on for no, a whole hour. <laughs> yeah, like no one's winning from this, which is why the idea of saying the pandemic was a plan.
0: That makes zero sense. No. Literally, we're literally like been declared in a recession. There's yeah. literally no winners.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, nope.
0: It's it's wild. It's so wild. Um, so you mentioned that these are kind of bits of these songs are kind of rehashing parts from older songs here. Also, yeah. kind of writing about different experiences that you've seen and stuff. I'm kind of curious, like, tell me about how it all kind of started to come together. How long did it take for you to really put together comfort in the bedroom?
2: About nine weeks. in terms Nine of weeks? How long. Okay. But the concept was something that was lingering in my head for a long time because it was like, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I was one of the many people that fell in love with lo-fi bedroom beats, easy mm-hmm. to listen to. Mm-hmm. But I noticed that a lot of these tracks sounded the same and also were very much sampled. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, if I'm going to get into electronic or chill hop production, I want to still make it as organic as possible. Right. So then if I do get a band, I could reproduce that sound as opposed to pressing like, you know, a MIDI trigger and just standing there with a hat down. Yeah. Cause I thought it would still be so much cooler to have that organic experience. Um, so when I first got into Ableton many months ago, I was like, what happens if I loop this? What happens if I loop that? And I like re-listened to myself. And that's why I chose those like riffs mm-hmm. um, from certain songs. So like Cliffs of anti-climaticism is from my song called The Cliffs. Mm-hmm. And The Cliffs is about the dangers of using the Internet too much and feeling like I'm falling off a cliff. And also it's it's about being confrontational, but not knowing if you could confront that issues in person, you know, um, because yeah. I, I realized that like there's also a culture of people that like to be microaggressive and bigot, bigoted. But if you meet them in person, they couldn't even say hello to you. And right. It, it, it's it's very, it's very confusing. So, um, I decided to change the title to "Close of Anticlimacticism" as a play on words and also as a play to like this is the ending Mm -hmm. and like sometimes i was like if this record sucks then you're just going to feel like it's anticlimactic (laughs) (laughs) like (laughs) like if you think this sucks well sorry (laughs) (laughs) this is how it ends
0: (laughs) 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 uh yeah i can tell you definitely doesn't suck and if anything i i remember i was staring at the title and i first was like listening to the song and I'm like, there is nothing anticlimactic about this shit. I can tell you that. Oh, thank
1: <laughs> this, you, thank
0: this you, thank you. This is freaking amazing. Yeah. Um, I I love hearing all these details about it, and like, kind of hearing more about your process for this record. I feel like just makes some of the songs resonate more with me when I think on them. Because like, um, like especially knowing that you kind of have this energy of like trying to inspire thought and hope. It seems like in so much of the music, like fight on through. I'm like, that might have to be one of my new, like, anthems to kind of get through this really weird time. The fact that you talk about things like the, the whole we need to have distance and stuff, but we'll keep going through and everything. To me, that was, like, super resonant, you know?
2: So, that song was, a was I would say, a Renee song, and what I mean yeah? by that is uh, the melody came to me first. Mm-hmm. I wrote the lyrics in my um, in my phone, but then I actually wrote the song... On guitar, banjo, and ukulele, and I was like, uh-huh. which sounds the best? And I was like, all right, well, this is going to be my announcement to the world that I could play ukulele beyond <laughs> an Instagram story, right? Yeah. So um, I did that, and really the point of it was thinking about my own anxieties and depressions
1: mm-hmm.
2: and also thinking about how other people feel, like mm-hmm. things I've learned from my podcast, like from talking to other people and things like that,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and, and acknowledging that systematically everything fucking sucks. It yes. Just, it just does, like, right? But socially, I believe the intersection into, like, overall global change is even if our system changes, we're still accountable as individuals to be better. Right. And that's why we need to fight on through. And that's what that idea was coming from. So. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that because I feel like... um Everybody's fighting through so much shit. I feel like at first it felt like everybody was fighting the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. And there was like this rallying behind that and like I was talking to some friends recently and baby got back talk about how like for them they feel like it was people took a lot of the energy of fighting the pandemic and now they're 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 sharing that energy with things like Black Lives Matter and all these issues that have been like racism let's be real is a virus that's been infecting society for fucking centuries and like people are like well we're already fighting one battle we might as well fight another one i think that's part of the energy of why more people are probably getting more attention on it but like you know seeing that kind of like shift and kind of trying to use that momentum to keep going and stuff um to fight these really huge battles and really huge issues that just continue to just screw over particularly marginalized folks it's like to me so incredible to see that happening in real time and I feel like in some ways maybe your song to me at least feels like it hits on kind of like that yeah we got a lot of fights that we're doing right now but we gotta keep going through it you know
2: yeah and that that was kind of uh My thought, like the line, we need some distance. Mm -hmm. I meant that to be intimate as well as collective. Yeah. Because it's like if you're in a fight with like a partner, you always say like, I need some distance. Mm -hmm. Now, Whatever that might mean for someone, because that means many things. Like distance can mean I'm going to play Sega Genesis all day Mm -hmm. uh, because I still have a Sega Genesis in
0: 2020.
2: Uh, Hell yeah. I (laughs) I was just ranting. (laughs) Um, But... Also, I think it's important that all of us practice some form of self-care. Like, I do recognize that my day-to-day practice is intense. Like, you know, I wake up at 8.45 Mm -hmm. with bedhead because my hair looks like Questlove right now. Um, (laughs) And then, like, I go to work from 9 to 5, and then after 9 to 5, like...
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: I either go to therapy, practice music, um, or work out, And then after that, it's seven, and then I eat. And then after I eat, I go back to practicing. And then after practicing, like I might read a book or I'll then watch Netflix. So mm-hmm. then it's like 10, 11 o'clock, and then that's a whole day. That's, that's, that's what keeps me going. Mm-hmm. Um, so distance, I'm just learning what that looks like for me. Like I'm taking sure. the 15th off um, for the first time ever in my life.
1: Oh well, it's amazing.
2: And I'm probably gonna treat myself to copious amounts of food. That's all I'm <laughs> gonna say. <laughs> you
0: deserve that. Seriously. Yeah. I'm so glad you're doing that for yourself. Um, yeah. that's so important. And yeah. you know, uh, yeah, I think everybody's gotta kind of like find their way to kind of maintain, especially when we are in these like long haul fights that we are in. Yeah. Um, yeah especially for people who are very new to it (laughs) Mm -hmm. i don't want to give them too much sympathy because they've been blind this whole time but you know at the same time it's like you have to kind of like remember to step back for a second take a breath and then jump back in you know and you do that whatever way you need to
2: true i mean are you familiar with uh the free breakfast program concept
0: uh maybe not in the context you're referring to can do you mind sharing
2: so a friend of mine, he, he's a professor in New York.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Uh, his name is Dr. Victor Peterson. That is weird as hell for me to say that because <laughs> I've known him since I was four. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. But he started a program called Free Breakfast Program, and that was based on a program that the Black Panthers did mm. in the 70s, but it was a community breakfast program by the most literal means to give food to people that mm-hmm. are in need. Uh, because of food deserts and things like that. Yeah. Now, mimicking that concept, you know, we we did that. And, it would, and our purpose was really to show Black art and entrepreneurship mm-hmm. in the Philadelphia area, um, as well as the New York area. But I think we need the concept of a free breakfast program in the arts, in the music community, in the activist mm-hmm. community, as an act of recharging. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: It's very hard to do now in the pandemic. Sure. Uh, But I think post-pandemic, like, you know, my idea of a perfect show or a perfect tour is one where I could have, like, cook with people and learn how to cook and cook for people and then play. Yeah. Because I think of music as a place of solace, but also a place of change. If -hmm. you give people distance and the ability to self-care and, like, Progress after experiencing trauma after experiencing struggle or like the action of like fighting against something mm-hmm. you put, You bring people together and mm-hmm. I think that's what the Black Panthers were trying to do Give people free breakfast not just because like some people didn't have access But also to say like hey the fight's not over, but we could still love each other
0: Right and that is such an expression of love if you think about it in so many ways That's 100%. fantastic. Wow. I love that. I really hope I get to see stuff like that start to pop up. Maybe you and I can spread the word about the idea of DIY free breakfast, you know?
2: Oh, 100%. Like, and if it's not breakfast, it's gotta be lunch. We'll dinner, do
0: something. Snack tacos, time. Whatever.
2: Sandwiches. <laughs> snack <Yeah>. time. Yes.
0: <laughs> we'll do it all. It sounds like fun, honestly.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, I love that. And I feel like, yeah, for sure. Between concepts like that and like, I don't know, I just feel like with your music too, you just have this energy about it that to me that makes me feel like community is something as important to you and stuff. And, like, it's it's clear in so many pieces of the songwriting. And even whenever you're talking about heavy shit, it feels like you're kind of bringing people in. Like, even with, like, uh, the the beats that you're making, the, the structure of the songs as well as the lyrics, like, songs that continue to still stick out to me are, like, I could tell you were finding happiness... Frozen with Closed Minds, all that kind of stuff is just
2: So, yeah, it's interesting you brought up those two because both of those songs were originally sad. So I Can Tell was about myself, and I Mm -hmm. tried to write it from the perspective of both genders. And
1: Mm
2: -hmm. I sing it now as, like, you know, it's completely, like, not like non-binary like as if like it's ambiguous Mm -hmm. um and i tried to write it from the perspective of like at a time in my life i had a very unhealthy concept of love and what i mean Mm -hmm. by that is like i thought love was go on a date have sex goodbye Mm -hmm. uh and if you regret it that's just part of it um and and i wrote it because i could tell that i was destroying myself because i didn't know how to like curate stable relationships
1: mm-hmm.
2: um and then freeze was really about being emotionally confused because you're not sure if you're emotionally available or the other person's emotionally available
1: mm-hmm.
2: so like i don't talk about love a lot because like just being open i've never been in an adult relationship
1: But mm-hmm.
2: uh, i have had and what i mean by that is like you know i've moved in the whole nine but i have had relationships and like i I've always like questioned where did I go wrong or where did mm-hmm. it go wrong? Whether, was it a cultural thing? Was it an emotional thing, et cetera, et cetera. So um, both of those songs were flipping the script of it because now I am an emotionally available person. Mm-hmm. Now I have a lot more fulfilling friendships. And that's what I meant by I can tell that you're finding happiness because I wrote that song and being like, wow, I don't sing that song because I'm just not that person anymore. Right more happier with myself and you know if i do go wrong in a friendship i i ask myself well what did i do wrong or how can i make it better mm-hmm. so that that was the that was the shift there
0: i love that so much and it's so special to me that you open up in this way in your music because I feel like that kind of vulnerability, I think, just shows us, like, how open you are and how much you embrace relationships of so many types, too. They can be romantic. They can be completely platonic with friendships. It could be even your approach toward being in a space or a community, too. It's so special with how you are able to kind of have this uh, very – it's like your genre approach. It's a very flexible experience, I feel like, too, in your songwriting.
2: Yeah, because, like – I know there's going to be someday I'm going to be done. I don't know when, but I'll I'll definitely be done. And and when I am, I want to be able to say, okay, world or child, because I'd like to have children someday. Um, This is a collection of records I wrote about being who you want to be and knowing that it doesn't need to be over.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And then when that collection is done, I'll just leave it there. Mm -hmm. And I might start something else. I don't know what that something else is, but that's kind of like the goal. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And um, I think that's the big reason why it's different sounds, because I I think of it like life doesn't sound like the same C chord every day. Right. And if it does, you got to add a seventh.
0: I love that. That's fantastic. I love that outlook for sure. Um, so, oh, hi, sorry my dog just came up and greeted me. <laughs> uh, so I'm kind of curious, with all these kind of thoughts in mind, um, what's your favorite song off of Comfort in the Bedroom?
2: Hmm, I think it's uh, Reminders to be honest with you, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: which I originally wrote for my friend Esther um, because she was trying to do a compilation to fundraise for Meals on Wheels, which is like a, a U.S. nonprofit.
1: Yeah.
2: And the reason why I say "Reminders" is my uh, favorite song on the record is because it's kind of like what made the rest of the record happen.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And more so, like I kind of mm-hmm. thought of "Reminders" as like, you know, there still is that small level of insecurity that like I'm too old to be doing everything
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, because. Like, I feel like when you are in any arts community, you have three friends, you have your friends from work, you have uh, your friends that you've always known that you met in your twenties, teens or, you know, formative years, and then you have your music friends. And like the difference between the, the first two friends is like a lot of them have that quote unquote, um, Static life. I don't want to say stable life because you know in this economy, whose life is stable? Right. Um, <laughs> but they have a static life where it's like everything's the same, no matter what. Mm. But music people or creative people, it's just like you know, it's a different thing. You you meet people differently. And um I was talking to this person in my podcast, Rob's Ten K Friends. Uh, He's on a journey to meet ten thousand people. And he asked me. I asked him, "What's the hardest thing about trying to meet ten thousand people?" He was like seeing my friends settle down and fall in love. And I'm just like, I still have my mission. So I wrote that song because I had to remind myself that, granted, I haven't found my person. Granted, I haven't you know, been in a relationship. Granted, I still question like, why am I in like 15, 15- Social groups instead of one, you know, because um, it's not just about love; it's also about platonicism as well. Sure. Platonicism—a word I, don't know. That's
0: <laughs> I accept yeah. it at its dictionary.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah, like granted, like my my life is still very much like a ping pong.
1: Mm-hmm. I have to
2: also remember I'm 31 and I live with a 75 year old woman who also doesn't hang out with the same group of people mm-hmm. for different reasons. People die. That's like a very dark reason. So I have to accept the fluidity of life. Yep. And not only do I have to need to accept the fluidity of life, I have to accept myself and not be so anxious. Like, when is this going to happen? When is that going to happen? Because, like, I feel every millennial feels this way. Like,
1: mm-hmm. when
2: the fuck are my loans going to be over? <laughs> like, like, you know what right. I mean? So that's what all of those things were about. Because I, I wrote that second verse about, like, I do miss my friends. I, I miss a hug. Like, I haven't hugged anyone in 14 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't worn pants in three weeks, and before that, um, it was 11 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also have to remember every struggle is a lesson, um, even though it might be extremely hard to deal with. And I've definitely dealt with a lot of struggles, but I have to remind myself you know, where you are is not where you'll always be.
0: I love that. That's fantastic. That's so, I, I yes, 100%. Um, you may have a slightly similar answer to this, but I'm kind of curious, what does this album mean to you?
2: Um, so, telling the future, it means that the record after the next record I'm dropping, if that makes sense, <laughs> um, is going to be even more mixed than before, because the the lp that i haven't titled yet with Kitsy is very much a rock record okay it does mix like 80s vibes with piano with ukulele it's very much a rock record and it's different than everything but yeah. it's still a rock record but what comfort in the bedroom told me is i can write a rap chill hop instrumental rock record about confidence because that's what i would like to write about
1: Yeah.
2: um, Confidence in my body, confidence in with myself, you know, facing toxic masculinity, facing, you know, being Black in America, not so much from a I hate the world perspective or let me own the world and give back to it.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, So that's what I'd like to write an album about. Um, Quarantine permitting, this third record permitting, documentary permitting. That's probably not going to come out until two, three years from now. But that's what comfort in the bedroom taught me because I think the beginning of my discography is I'm sad, I used to be suicidal, I don't know what to do with myself, and I want the later part of my record to be I have a hope for myself. I want to give back. I want to, you know, I have better insights. Um, so that, that's kind of like the big thing that I, that I enjoy about it. Now, the outcome uh, definitely was unexpected, um, but I'm thankful. I'm I'm thankful for you too. Like Martin, <laughs> uh, reached out to me and was like, "Hey, Bud, haven't talked to you in a bit. You're on Angry Girl uh, podcast website." I was like, "What?" I was like, and I was like, "Sick!"
0: <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, no, um, I got a a lot of people recommended your music to me, and it was like instant fandom for me with oh, your wow. music. Yes, wow. I was like. Oh yes, we we gotta get Brian on this on the pod because holy shit! Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I noticed when I looked at your Instagram feed, I was like, "All right, these are the people that I've slept on their couches." <laughs> <laughs> they could probably be like, Brian snores really loud. <laughs> these are people that uh, I've written music with and they're like, Uh Brian talks too much. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, but like, I think it was was Alana slept on their couch. Yep. Barty slept on their couch, but as well as like written with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Eric slept on their couch three, four times. So you get my my point. Like a lot of these people I've had different, but also intimate, cool relationships with.
0: You know, it's so funny that you say that because it's, like, to me, that's kind of the best part of doing this. And it's, like, not to reveal too much here because I know some people prefer their privacy, but, like, some of the guests that have been on my podcast, you know, they've hit me up to crash on my couch while they're on tour or, like, you you know, um, we've been able to hang out while they're, like, down here in Florida and stuff. And I'm, like, this is really fucking cool that we can actually hang out in real life every now and then and, like – you know, have that kind of connection and stuff. And it's cool that you've already up, done that with the number of people who've been on here. Yeah. I mean, that's fantastic. But are you
2: um, in North, South or central Florida?
0: I guess central-ish. I'm, sen- I'm central on the, co- on the Gulf coast. I'm in like, I'm, I'm like close to Tampa-ish. So. Okay. Gotcha. You.
2: Cause I played in, um, no, I mean, it definitely gives me perspective cause I played in, uh, Jacksonville, Mm-hmm. uh neptune beach and, and uh st augustine
0: okay so all will like northeast kind of like yeah. parts of florida okay cool i love those areas too um yeah i'm a little bit so- south of there and more more on the gulf side but um yeah it's kind of sick gotcha. that i've been able to like you know have those moments where it's like the community comes to life we're not all just like you know virtual and stuff and it's like i mean i have i i I love my local scene so so much but it's like it's very special to be able to connect with people who like are in the philly area or who are in like sacramento or whatever and be able to like eventually be able to bridge together and have like a real fresh like friendship in real life
2: true i completely agree with that i will say calling myself out I feel bad whenever I'm at shows and someone's like, hey, it's you. And I'm like, I don't, uh, what, what? Because I I don't know, (laughs) like, how they know me. So I'm just like, what?
0: Who are you? I've had that happen one time. And I'm just like, I don't really... I guess I kind of put my face out there, but at the time I hadn't really put my face associated with the podcast, and I had somebody come up to yeah. me and tell me that they liked it, and I'm just like, how do you know what I look like? <laughs> it's like a good thing, <laughs> like how do you know? Real. Or you recognize my voice yeah. or something? And that was wild. I mean, I didn't ask those questions because I didn't want to be rude, but I was like, how? I mean, sup, and I didn't remember their name. I felt terrible, but.
2: <laughs> yeah, true.
0: <laughs> it was a thing. <laughs> I can't yeah, imagine being it, a performer it, and that happening a lot, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, not so much now because, you know, I'm in my house, but yeah, <laughs> it, definitely, it definitely has happened. Like, I think something that was really funny is uh, I caught up with an old high school friend of mine um, in West Philly, mm-hmm. and we were, like, on our way to food, and uh, Jarrett goes, so how's music going? And this person comes up to me and goes, you're a day without love, right? And I was like, yeah. And, th- and they go, I'm editing your music video. And I was like, sick. Oh, you work with Brianna, because Brianna's my videographer. Mm-hmm. And then my friend goes, oh, I-, I guess music's going really well. Strangers off the street now, you. And I was
1: like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not like
0: that. Maybe <laughs> like a celebrity moment.
2: Yeah, I mean, the timing was bizarre, but that's that <laughs> what happened.
0: That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh! Um, well, I know twenty twenty is a really weird year, but I know, but I know you're also working on music and trying to possibly work on this new album and stuff. Uh, what are what all are you trying to work on and kind of accomplish over maybe the next like year or so? We'll give you some time considering the world's kind of nuts right now.
2: Sure. Um, other than be a better musician. Mm-hmm. Um, if quarantine loosens a little bit more, I'd like to finish this record with, with Kitsy, mm-hmm. send the scores over to, to Brianna, because we created a documentary called Safe and Sound Film. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's on my website, like the link to the site. And, and the documentary is pretty much about how music serves as a progressive space for social change.
1: Yeah. So
2: we end up talking to people from different uh, backgrounds, you know, from from age to gender to orientation to religion, Mm -hmm. uh, et cetera, et cetera, about how they feel about, you know, safe space cultures. How do they feel about creating an open platform for people that don't get the space to speak up? Mm -hmm. How do they feel about punk? How does music help them? Because, like, our driving question is, what does music mean to you and how how does it help your community? Like we literally put that on our merch table and like we wrote that on the table and like we had pamphlets. And the reason I say pamphlets is because originally we thought we just had one pamphlet, but over this, um, 18 show 17 day tour, uh, we went, you know, from, from Philly to Florida, up to Nashville, covered that Southern area down to Mississippi and then Mm -hmm. to the Midwest and back over. And we just had so many questions and things like that. We did this in 2019. We both quit our jobs to like do this tour.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, there's definitely been some like uh, road bumps between mm-hmm. both of our lives. Sure. But like my goal is pretty much, um, and, and I think this is just as much as Brianna's goal, is to get that done and then prepare for the release. Mm. As I'd like to do uh, a tour of this record commangled film festivals.
1: Oh, I um, love that
2: yeah so that's definitely something that we would like to do Mm -hmm. um so that's that's the second goal um the third goal um is more personal but it still intersects with music is uh find a new job (laughs) but probably if not philly a different music city so that's Mm -hmm. definitely something um and then and then fourth i would definitely say is uh just keep 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 doing the right thing and, and growing, which mm-hmm. aligns with practice. So, you know, I still want to talk to more activists and, and musicians and, and entrepreneurs for James, not memes, mm-hmm. but also want to think about like, all right, what did I do with this record? What am I doing with my life?
1: Mm-hmm. And how
2: can I create a, a more wholesome message without being repetitive? Cause I definitely think that's something that I have accomplished as mm-hmm. um each record does fit the theme of rising above but it's a different topic
1: right yeah
0: i love that so so much and you definitely are accomplishing that and i can't wait to see what you do next honestly
2: thank you thank you thank you
0: of course so um one of the questions i like to always do at the end of the podcast is ask you if you could play a show with any three artists bands they could be currently active or you can bring them back from the dead who would it be
2: Whew, that that's a good one um i'd like to play a show with thundercat um because he's so different from me mm-hmm. but i feel like as people we're just as weird <laughs> i think our weirdness would come across pretty awesome because like our sounds are very different but i still feel like people would be like well that was mm-hmm. a different show and i still enjoyed it yeah um i think a songwriter that i would really want to play with is Lady Lamb. I don't know if you know who that is. Um, they're from Portland, Maine, and they just have a lot of songs about just, like, owning you. Um, mm-hmm. And they basically take nature and love and combine them together. So, uh, like, they have this one song where they, like, they start off with, like, how we fucked ourselves over. And, mm-hmm. like, the verses are very, like, flavorful.
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
2: they, they would sing something along the lines of, like, the hook would be something like, you fucked me over and I didn't know how to deal with it. But then the verses will be like, "I tasted the cherry and it went sour." And then I sighed for many hours, pouring lavender lotion on my skin. You know, like yeah. that's how their like lyrics go, and I think that's really enjoyable. Uh-huh. And um, I saw them uh, at a at a factory venue in Brooklyn many years ago, and I would just definitely love that.
1: Wow. And I think
2: the third act, which is also very different. Uh, that I would love to hit the road with would be like a hiatus coyote neo soul uh, vibe because that would be cool because granted I don't play neo soul um I've opened up for neo soul acts locally Mm. and I think my message would fit in with that with that mantra so
0: I love that your show sounds like so much fun and I hope you get to play all these gigs at some point
2: I hope so too because um I'm also playing the game in my head when it's safe to travel Mm -hmm. should i take some of the money that i save uh to just hit the road and say all right let me meet people drop the album and meet some more people
0: yeah Yeah. i like the sound of that (laughs) it's so much fun honestly
2: yeah because it's like i i need to decompress by being on the road Mm because it's definitely and i'm pretty sure i'm not the only one
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I feel squirrely about the fact that I haven't been to another town in the past two weeks. Like it's, it's weird. Cause that's how my life was. Like if I wasn't doing week long tours or two weeks or three week tours, I was doing weekenders. So I was always traveling in some capacity.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's a good point. Shit. Well, yeah. I hope this pandemic is not dragging too much longer. I realize that's a yeah. heavy wish, but yeah. Jesus, I'm ready for it to be done. (laughs) But whatever it takes to stay safe, you know?
2: Agreed. Agreed. I completely agree.
0: I'm starting to get a little bit of cabin fever too, so I totally understand.
2: Yep.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, Brian, this has been so awesome. Where can everybody keep up with you on the internet and find all your music?
2: So I'll break it down by social media. If you just want to see week to week posts, Mondays I share 60 second stories about my songs
1: mm-hmm. on
2: Instagram and Wednesdays uh, I post YouTube uh, covers on YouTube.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, those 60 second stories are Instagram and YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to see me rant about anything from food, anime, politics, and sometimes music, follow me on Twitter. I'm there a day without love.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, if you want to know what I'm doing productively Either sign up to my mailing list on the website, Facebook, or just look at my Instagram stories. Okay. And um, if you want to send me money, um, <laughs> support my Patreon under Patreon slash A Day Without Love, Venmo A Day Without Love, Cash App A Day Without Love. If you want to listen to me, I'm on all digital streaming channels Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music, the whole nine.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing, Brian. This has been so awesome.
2: Anytime. It's been a vibe. Bye.
0: Day without love. Thank you so much to Brian for his time, for getting real with his music, and for sharing all of his creative work and energy. Be sure to follow a day without love online to keep up with all that he's working on, as well as his pod dreams not memes. That's it for this week. But you can always keep up with Angry Girl Music, the indie rock persuasion online. Find episodes, links, articles, and more at angrygirlmusic.com. Get in touch with me through email at, angrygirlmusic at gmail.com or on Twitter or Instagram at. Angry girl music if you're interested in being a guest on the pod reach out and let's chat about what you're working on pledge your support for Angry girl music of the indie rock persuasion on patreon at patreon.com slash Angry girl music special thanks to our monthly patrons molly o'malley kendra mamula carly commando john Kitsy kitsmiller sam zarwitz and Orla Tinzi. thanks so much for listening until next time stay angry and use music as self-care right now Bye for now.